If you have unexplained or even occasional digestive issues like myself, or you just want to support your body in the absorption of nutrients, digestive enzymes are your first defense. Even though I eat nutrient-dense foods and I don't eat foods I'm reactive to, I still have random digestive issues occasionally, especially when stressed, traveling, or eating out. I ended up doing some research on different enzymes that help digest protein, lactose, and even carbohydrates and wanted something that had hydrochloric acid since stomach acid is often suppressed when we're stressed. I found all of that in something called Digestive Complex. It has a blend of 10 different digestive enzymes, including lactase, to help with dairy digestion and protease for protein digestion, and a blend of herbs like licorice and marshmallow root, which are calming for the stomach. When I tell you this has completely changed my digestion, I am not exaggerating. I take them almost daily now, specifically with cheese since I'm trying to up my protein intake, and I have zero issues with dairy. And about one to two times a week, I take them at night, just after dinner, if my stomach is a little sour or off, and every single time, it resolves it. I now have a bottle in my purse. It goes everywhere with me. I travel with them and always take them, especially when I'm eating out at restaurants. Digestive Complex is a synergistic formula that provides support for healthy digestion and relief from occasional discomfort like gas, bloating, and indigestion. I think just about everyone should have a bottle on hand to proactively help your body digest food, especially if you're dealing with a chronic condition or you're under stress. And you can get 10% off at all times with code WELLFED. Just go to MD logichealth.com forward slash digestive. Use the coupon code WELLFED for 10% off. Again, that's M-D-L-O-G-I-C-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash digestive. Use coupon code WELLFED for 10% off and you'll always get free shipping on orders of $50 or more. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, friends. Welcome to... 2024. This is episode number 461 and the first one of the new year. And I figured, what better way to kick off the year than talking about your poop and what your poop says about your gut health? Today, I'm going to dive deep into the gut hormone connection and how the gut impacts your hormones with my guest, Sarah Greenfield. She's actually a registered dietitian. This is a renewed episode. And we'll be getting back into some brand new episodes with Steph and I next week. This episode, however, is one you're you're going to want to listen to. We, You guys had so many questions about just troubleshooting complicated digestive issues. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking today. We're also going to talk about stool testing and elimination diets and causes of chronic inflammation. The new year means new reflections, which Steph and I, of course, will be doing next week. But I just want to say thank you for being here. This is almost nine years of doing this podcast. And man, we've come a long way and it's continued to grow. And I'm so blessed by it. And I'm blessed to be a part of all of your lives. And I know Steph feels the same. It's just been such a joy for us to be able to do this for this long. So... I've got a cool year planned. I'm excited. I have some interviews that I'm really excited about. You guys have some awesome suggestions. I always want this to be community-driven, and I think that's why 
this uh, this podcast has done so well is because we've all worked together to make it what it is. But I do I do take your feedback and I love hearing what guests you want to have on. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, you can do that. It is the Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. You can search groups on Facebook and it will pop up. That is where I often ask questions and get your feedback and talk with you all. So I'd love to see you there. So now let's get to the interview with Sarah. Sarah is a registered dietitian who helps high-achieving women achieve one-white poops and reconnect with their bodies through functional labs. She worked as a dietitian working in hospitals and eventually transitioned into the wellness world, creating programs for Nutribullet, Dr. Hyman, Whom Nutrition, and did a TED Talk all about poop. Fearless Fig was born out of her personal struggle with her own digestive issues and her insatiable desire to dig deeper into health. She believes that you deserve to feel your best and know your body better than anyone. Welcome, Sarah. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I uh, I just watched your TED Talk all about poop, and oh, yes. it was very entertaining, and I love the chart and all the things, and it's it's always really interesting to me to see how people fall into the topics that they're passionate about or the, the ways in which they help people. So what the question on everybody's mind is what made you so passionate about poop? Why were you like, poop is my thing. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, it didn't happen immediately. It was something that I kind of looked back on my life on and it was like, oh my God, I've always had this like slight obsession or fixation on poop and not, not because of anything scientific, just because it was a really great way to connect to other people through laughter mm -hmm. and through commonality. I mean, everybody, you've seen the TED Talk, everybody mm -hmm. poops. Mm -hmm. It's something that like is universal. So it's just a really important topic of conversation that people don't <laughs> want to talk about. And I was thinking about like, once I became a dietitian, it's obviously something that comes up a lot. And I realized I was talking about it when I was working in a hospital, when I started my own practice, it was something that came up all the time. Like you have to know how people are pooping to really understand what their health is mm. because everything that's going on in our body, a lot of things in our body are internal. So we don't really get that window in. We don't really see anything. Like we might have external presentations like eczema or psoriasis or, you know, allergies, something will give us these clues, but poop is a constant that really just keeps us on <laughs> the pulse of our health. So I couldn't escape it. It was part of my world as a dietitian. And I was thinking back and I was like, wow, this has been kind of a, a through line of my life because I used to carry around this fake poop in my purse when I was in college. And I even took it abroad and I would take this little piece of fake poop and I would put it on the floor and I would just watch people's reactions. And it was like <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing thing ever because people would be like, oh my God, poop, watch out. Yeah. And they'd be like, this is fake. And they'd pick it up and smell it. It was just like, <laughs> it was <laughs> just like everybody has some sort of connection there. So yeah, I was just thinking about like as a dietitian talking about it, kind of this through line of my life. And I was like, you know what? it's poop. And <laughs> I like talking about it. I think it's a really, like I said, it's an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people. And to make that comfortable and to find kind of the laughter and the the play when mm -hmm. we're talking about our poop, that's just what I, I love so much. So it, it just became this really powerful tool to honestly just get deeper connected to people mm -hmm. and also people's health. It's really interesting because of all the doctor's visits that I've been to, I just kind of had this thought while you're talking is I've never once been asked about my poop. 
<laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's not crazy. something that people think about or doctors I mean, at least even think to ask. So yeah, and there's a lot of questions. <laughs> that they like, what are you eating? That can yeah. be another good one right, that often right. doesn't get asked. <laughs> so we could start with right. that. And then, you know, maybe at some point they'll come around to poop. But yeah, it's just so valuable. Like there's so many cool little things that we can tune into in our bodies that we already have that are just like mind opening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in conventional medicine, you know, we don't necessarily, we're never taught. Most people are not talking about the gut. You know, we, we see that more in with registered dietitians, nutritional therapists, sometimes functional Mm -hmm. medicine practitioners, but in conventional medicine in general, nobody's really asking or talking about your poop and your gut. And especially they're not talking about the connection to the how the gut connects to everything else in your body, mm-hmm. um, you like you said it's it's a window, and yeah. you know you go to the dermatologist talk about eczema. They do they are not thinking about your gut, not even no. a little bit. No. So, can you since we're going to dive into a little bit specifically about gut and hormones, since hormones are you know a huge part of literally everything about our physiology as well, can you talk about how? the gut and hormones are connected? Like how, how are they connected and how can our gut health actually cause or create um, hormone imbalances if our gut is off? Yeah. So, I mean, everything is connected and comes back to the gut. And that's what I started to figure out as I was kind of going through my practice as a dietitian, And I really got very focused in on the gut. And then I started practicing functional medicine and I started testing the gut. And literally everything, everything is correlated back to the health and integrity of your gut. And when we're looking at hormones, hormone imbalances are always, always downstream of a gut imbalance. And that can impact your thyroid, that can impact the way your insulin is regulating. So hormones are very, very tied into gut health. And specifically what they're finding is more so estrogen is really critically linked to the gut. And there's something called the estrobilum, which is essentially the way the gut metabolizes estrogen. And when I do stool tests on clients, when I dive into their poop, not personally, we (laughs) send it out to a lab. But when we're diving into that, we're actually looking at a marker called beta-glucuronidase. And that marker is a really good indication of how the gut is reactivating or metabolizing estrogen. So that can give us a lot of really good insights. But when there is that imbalance of good and bad bacteria, it really impacts the way that we process and regulate hormones. Interesting. So one, the gut actually helps us eliminate used hormones. And if if we're not eliminating them, we're potentially reabsorbing them, correct? Is that what Yep. Yep. So that beta glucuronidase, when that's elevated, there's a potential that you are reactivating estrogen and sending it back into your body. So then we see things like estrogen dominance and just imbalances, irregular periods, all Mm -hmm. of those things that can happen when our hormones are dysregulated, but then it can even go further and it starts to impact your thyroid. It impacts inflammatory markers. So it's just like I said, I keep trying, like every time I try and step away from the gut, I'm like, Ooh, maybe I'll go explore this area. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but what's the integrity of your gut looking like? And it's like, Oh, what about this? And it's like, yeah, but what's the integrity of your gut? So (laughs) it's just such a critical piece in tying your entire health picture together. Yeah. You mentioned inflammation and I feel like we do talk about inflammation a lot, especially when we're talking about the gut. What Mm -hmm. is 
inflammation in the gut? Like, what is that? Is is our is the junctions or our enterocytes actually inflamed? Like when we think about inflammation, right? We think about our our ankle is swollen and it's red. But what exactly is happening when our gut is it's experiencing inflammation? So typically, the way that that manifests, it can be it can be caused by a couple of different things, but it manifests and it will be seen as elevated. Like for me, I'm looking again at stool tests, so and blood work. So I'm looking at calprotectin levels, EPX. So we're actually seeing this inflammatory response. And then the cell lining, the actual cells of the gut barrier will kind of start to pull away from each other. And now we have permeability and leakiness. And that can kick off more of these autoimmune type pictures. So that's physiologically what's going on. And that can be caused from different things. So I think a lot of times we think about inflammation, we're like, oh, well, it's probably directly correlated to food, which it is. But there's also other levels and layers to that. So I always think about gut inflammation and just like figuring out what's going on in the gut from three different approaches. I think about it from a food perspective. So what's irritating the gut? Not just what's a food allergy, but what's a food sensitivity? And different than an allergy, different than a food intolerance. So a sensitivity is something that is upregulating your immune system. So that can interact with that inflammatory picture. And then I also think about the integrity and the status of the gut microbiome. So what type of bacteria do you have in there? Do you have more, for example, Provotella, which is a very inflammatory bacteria or Klebsiella? Are those in high levels? Those are inflammatory. Those can create that permeability. And then finally, the third one, which I think is not as straightforward and something that often gets skipped over and probably one of the hardest areas for my clients to always kind of get grounded into is the nervous system and how your nervous system is responding to your environment, to your world, to everything, and how you're able to kind of adapt to the world. And that can actually play a role in inflammation and an imbalance as well. Okay. Talk to me more about the nervous system because this is the piece that I think a lot of people miss. Are you talking about the vagus nerve and how the connection between like traumas, mental health, like how we're emotionally coping and our gut that can actually cause gut dysfunction? Yes. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Vagus nerve and just your overall nervous system performance and how you're Mm -hmm. able to kind of respond to stress, but then downregulate from it. So we have our stress response, which I'm sure, you know, your audience is familiar with. We get stressed out, our adrenal glands kick into high gear, and then ultimately we should be able to recover from that. But we're not, we're not, we're just not recovering from that as well as we used to, just because there's so much in the world, you know, there's social media, there's the media, there's just our people, like there's just so much, it's never ending. And that can be really hard to kind of step back from and allow your body to calm down from. And that is, like I said, probably one of the most challenging aspects that I work with my clients on is how do we look at our lives and then downregulate our nervous system when everything that we have in our lives is doing the exact opposite. You know, like we're being told you have to do more. We're having that notification in our hand, in our pocket. So it's Mm. just constant stimulation. And how do you disconnect from that and give your body the space and time it needs to recover. And that is so, so, so critically tied into the gut. And you mentioned, you know, yes, we have this day-to-day recovery that needs to happen, but we also have trauma. We also have emotional response. And that is something that will change the entire way your body functions. So you and I will have different types of trauma. You and I will store it differently and we'll have different reactions because of that. 
So if we're skipping over that piece of saying, okay, how is my emotional health? How am I processing things in my life or things that have happened to me? We have to, we have to really take a moment to sit into that and sink into that. Otherwise we're never going to achieve health and healing, especially when we're dealing with gut imbalances and also hormone dysregulation. Wow. I love the shift because I think a lot of times we talk about managing stress and stress is hard to quantify or it's hard to kind of put into words. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the idea of talking about it as you have to manage how your nervous system is responding. So like looking at your nervous system as like almost like it's attached to some sort of, you know, drip. And every time you look on Mm -hmm. Facebook and somebody annoys you or somebody leaves a comment and you're like, I don't like that comment or I don't like that person. Boops, another little hit, another little drip, another little stimulation on that nervous system, that stress response. And, you know, even being in the car and, and, you know, in traffic, that's another hit and Mm -hmm. not being able to not, you know, maybe not eating enough, not eating the right things, not, you know, micronutrient deficiencies, you know, staying up late and watching something on TV and not getting to sleep or, you know, just all these little things are, are hits to your nervous system. And if you are con and then that doesn't even include the inability to manage, you know, maybe emo- mental, emotional, heavy things that we deal with as a society that we don't, mm-hmm. we, we don't process, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has these little micro traumas and maybe some people are dealing with heavy things and that leads to depression or anxiety. And that can just like persist if you don't deal with that, if you do not process that, if you're not able to like move through that and you stuff it like most people are told to do, right? Like a lot of Mm -hmm. people grow up being told you're too sensitive, you need to stuff it. You know, we are, then we become adults that are literally dealing with that every day, all day on top of all of the things that we're already dealing with. And then, you know, we wonder why, we're having major gut issues or, you know, like we can't go to the bathroom or we're constipated or, or whatnot. So yeah. I love that, that, that not a reframe, but the, the almost just kind of that shift thinking uh, instead of like, oh, I'm just stressed. Like, and you gotta, <laughs> you gotta manage your stress, you know, take a bubble bath or whatever. I think we, we always think about managing stress as opposed to how do we stop how do we make it so that we don't have to undo the damages right how do we how do we pull the stress out from our lives those hits to our nervous system so by the end of the day we don't need like oh my gosh i need a glass of wine or a bubble bath or whatever to like manage the stress to undo it unravel it like don't ravel it in the first place exactly how can you build a life where it's a little bit easier to navigate because i think that's one of the things that i i got really bored (laughs) talking about as a dietitian, when I didn't have this more enhanced tool set, but I was just like talking to so many people about, okay, you have to manage your stress. Let's look at your life and see where you can do that. Can you get in a five minute meditation? And it just becomes a little bit like, I don't know, it just didn't feel like deep enough. And when you can connect it to this deeper, like resiliency of your nervous system or nervous system performance, and then really kind of get into the physiological response and see, you know, I do a lot of testing in my practice. So I'm looking at the HPA axis. I'm looking at how your adrenals are responding and how the stress is manifesting. I'm looking at micronutrient imbalances. I'm looking at the microbiome. So we're able to then quantify this a little bit better and say like, okay, yeah, it goes beyond just like take the bubble bath, drink the glass of wine, but like, here's how it's 
physiologically impacting your body. And here's what's going to happen or continue to happen if you don't address this. And that's a sense of, I always look at data as a sense of empowerment versus like these big grand, like just try and do this. And you know, good luck. And I don't know how long it's going to take when we don't really know our bodies. We got to, we got to get back into like knowing our bodies. That's what I find to yeah. be really important. I love that. So if someone is, cause you're, you're mentioning a lot of tests. If someone is experiencing serious digestive issues, maybe they've tried changing their diet. They've done a ton of, you know, food sensitivity tests, which I'd love to get your thoughts on too, but mm-hmm. what, what's their first step? Like what, what should it be a, st- a comprehensive stool test? Like somebody comes to you and says, I have all these serious digestive issues. Like what do you recommend they do first? Yeah. So this is an interesting one because this is typically my answer to this is kind of a paradigm shift for a lot of people where it's not about doing one test. It's not about doing one session. It's about committing to a healing journey because I can do a stool test. I can do one food sensitivity test, but if we're not looking at everything comprehensively, we're missing the bigger picture. And that's where I feel like if we're not like, I, I won't run single tests on people because I feel like I'm doing a disservice because we're still looking through a pinhole to try and understand this big, beautiful, complex system. So when people come to me, I always will, I I work with people in three month or six month capacities. I don't do the one-off sessions, not because it's like, I'm like, oh, I don't have time. I would love to do that, but it just doesn't give us the results and it doesn't give us the clarity and the in-depth in-depthness. I don't know if that's a word, (laughs) (laughs) but the in-depth level of information that you need. And as you kind of said, people are struggling with this and they'll do one thing here. They'll spend a couple hundred bucks and they'll try and figure it out. And it just persists for years and years and years. And when people come to me, I'm like, all right, let's stop playing around and let's dive in and commit. So when I'm looking, when, when I want to do like a full gut restoration on someone, we're looking at comprehensive stool testing, food sensitivity testing, and then also something, um, called organic acids. Mm -hmm. And that gives me, in my opinion, a very comprehensive look. If you want to go deeper, then I do those. I also do hormone testing. I do blood work and I do genetic testing. So those are kind of like the tests that I always use to approach every single question about what is happening, what's going on in my body, how do I fix it? Because I've come from both ends of it. I've come from being a dietitian where I'm looking at symptomology and saying like, okay, based on your symptoms, here's what I think is going on here's what we can try and do. And then the other side of saying like, all right, let's look really in depth into your body and then we can get clarity and move forward and get a really specific plan of action together. What stool tests are you, do you typically recommend and use? Yeah. So I do two different ones. I like GI map just Mm -hmm. as kind of like a starting off point. And then I really, really like BiomeFX which gives you a little bit more in-depth view of the actual microbiome, the bacteria levels, the family levels, the genus levels. So it breaks it down really, really, uh, really intensely (laughs) and looks at different pathogens, things that can disrupt it. It also goes into B vitamin production, how you're producing Mm -hmm. vitamin K, glutathione. So it gives us that really beautiful window into the gut. So I typically like to start with GIMAP and then go deeper with BiomeFX if we need to restore or rebuild the microbiome. So I have a lot of different ones that I like to use. I love, 
I love to get people to poop in a box. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Like, Will you poop worst. in this French fry container? And they're like, what? <laughs> but that's it's the we worst. Just get so much good stuff. We get so much good data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the end worth it. But uh, yeah. Um, and then food sensitivity tests. This is always, and you know, we're seeing those commercials now where it's like, I'm just going to do this mail it, mail in food sensitivity mm-hmm. test. And it's, you know, so easy now. So, can we really understand food sense? And I know a lot of people who've done multiple tests and they'll get different yeah. results and different foods. So like what's going on there and when should people focus on that? Because people now are doing that first. Like that's right. what they do. Right. You know, it's like, oh, well, let me just do this. Which again is one part. So if we can go back to thinking about it on that three pronged approach, hopefully that will help people just understand this a little bit better because it's the food, it's the gut and it's the nervous system. So when we start with food, that's great. I mean, I think it's always good to, again, collect data. But what happens with food sensitivity testing, especially the mail-in ones, is they're looking at IgG. So IgG response is a, is a type of immune response. And that, what it does is it measures one immune pathway, but oftentimes it will kind of assess or collect information saying that you had this larger reaction to something and it will identify it as problematic when it was just something that the body responded to. So our bodies, we, we can eat lots of different foods. We can have these little responses that aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's just our body interacting with an external compound. So IgG, what it does is it overinflates what we're actually reactive to. So I'll get a lot of people that'll be like, yeah, I took this test. I took this test. And now I have 45 foods that I can't eat. Yes. And 30 of those are things I eat every single day. And that's one of the main problems with IgG is a lot of times what will come up as reactive are things that you eat frequently. So there's already, it's, ugh, I just don't love it <laughs> yeah. because it, it just kind of feeds this, this area of overwhelm that I find so many of my clients are already in when they have digestive issues. It's just overwhelming. There's nowhere to go to get answers. It's very unclear. And so this is just kind of fueling the fire where it's like, okay, great. So now I eliminate all these foods and for how long? And what if my symptoms don't go away and I still feel bloated? Like there's just so many, so many things. So I got away from IgG testing. And I say this because I used to do it because that was a a big standard for a lot of practitioners is do the Mm -hmm. IgG testing, figure out what's going on, put someone on a very, very strict elimination diet, and then you can start to reintroduce them. Some people can do that. Like, again, some people are like, cool. I've got my 45 foods. I'm going to eliminate. I can do this. Like I see there are people out there that are just... I don't know, (laughs) really, really good at following instructions. But for most of us, myself included, it's just too intense and overwhelming. So I like to do something called an MRT test, which looks at the endpoint immune response or the endpoint modulators of the immune system. So like cytokines, prostaglandins, things that our immune system is producing in reaction to food. And that gives us just a little bit more clarity on what foods are actually problematic. And it's not as big of a list it's more in depth. It's just, it's just more um, accurate. And I find having done both again in my practice, this MRT test just gets my clients such better results. And it's so profound. And when they take those foods out, it's like night and day for a lot of people. Hmm. Interesting. So if you take those foods out and you don't see the night and day difference, it may not have been a good quality test, or you may have been using one of the IgG tests that kind of was just like, here are 8 million foods that you're, that you need to take out. And that might not be the root of your, your issue. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it can. Yeah. So that, and also going back to 
the food is one piece. <laughs> so you yes. can take that out, right. see a difference, still have issues and okay. still not be getting to the root cause because food is not typically the root cause. Food is exacerbating the underlying root cause. So that's what we have to figure out. And root cause is developed or you can identify that more with the stool test. And then again, like uh, the stress management piece, that nervous system regulation is just so critical. I didn't used to think it was a big deal until I started working with more and more people. And I'm like, mm. wow, this is really the, one of the biggest barriers that comes up that I see in my clients that prevent actual full body healing is not sitting into why am I <laughs> the way I am? And with a lot of people with digestive issues, it's very stressful. It, you know, we become very, and I say we, cause I had many, many digestive issues and we become very anxious, very afraid of food. It can kind of present as very controlling with going out with the socializing aspects of life because it's it becomes a source of fear and pain. So that's another really important part to process and understand is your emotional relationship to your health, to your body and to food. Now that I am approaching 40, I have been using adaptogens to manage stress, lack of sleep and cycle changes, especially during cold and flu season when the kids are up all throughout the night. I love supplementing with ashwagandha mid-morning to help my body manage stress or lack of sleep or even when we're traveling. I also love Vitex or Chasteberry. There is so much research on how it helps relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes and even cycle irregularities. And the only place I get adaptogen blends is from Organifi. They have clinical doses of adaptogen blends, and they make them in really good-tasting drinks. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. Organifi's Green Juice Blend has ashwagandha, and Harmony is perfect for you to take around your cycle if you're struggling with PMS or want to balance hormones. And new this month, Organifi just launched Kids Easy Greens. This is awesome for picky eaters or when you just want to supplement your kid's diet with superfood greens, micronutrients, and antioxidant-rich digestive and immune support. It's a nutrient-rich blend of veggies and superfoods with added probiotics and digestive enzymes. It tastes amazing, and you can just tell your kid it's juice. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. There are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash well-fed and use code well-fed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash well-fed. Use code well-fed for 20% off your entire order. The food is not the issue. It's it's the and it's being it's as exacerbating the issue or it's almost like a symptom of mm -hmm. an underlying issue. So I think a lot of us, especially, you know, early on when you're thinking about nutrition and I just think early 2000s, like we all were always thinking like it's the food, it's the gluten yeah. like that. The food is the cause of all these issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it developed into it's not so much the food, it's the terrain, you know, yeah. and so, yes, food can exacerbate issues. But if you're allergic to if you're doing a food sensitivity test and it comes back with like 20 different foods or 30 different foods that you're, quote unquote, allergic to or sensitive to or whatever, mm -hmm. those foods didn't cause your digestive issues. That's now a result of yes. 
um, a much deeper underlying issue. So we always look for the easy things. Oh, it's the food. You know, it's got to be the food. I'm just going to do the elimination diet. And it's going to fix it. And it's, it's, you know, it's a comprehensive approach, which I, I just love that you touched on that. So you yeah. typically do, do you recommend elimination diets? And when people figure out like, okay, these foods are the ones that are causing me issues, you take those out and then do you eventually bring them back in or are they out forever? Yep. So that's another reason why I make, I shouldn't say I force people, but I really like to have that commitment of either three to six months of working together because part of our work is removing those foods, healing the microbiome, downregulating the nervous system, and then reintroducing the foods and making sure the diet is expanded because long-term health and long-term, well, long-term gut health is correlated on diversity in the diet. So if you just continue to eliminate and eliminate and eliminate and eliminate it doesn't create long-term sustainable health within your gut microbiome. So we have to look at, okay, we've removed these because right now they're burdening your body. Hmm. So first we have to take the burden off the body so it can get back into balance. Our bodies are amazing. They want to be in balance. They want to do all the right things. But when they're being burdened by things, we have to take that off and allow them to heal. So we remove those foods, heal the gut, and then bring them back in very systematically to understand, okay, what foods are reactive, what foods are not reactive, because sometimes they can still be reactive. But we just want to be clear on what exactly it is and what is still the issue. Got it. So do you recommend people do stool tests who don't have any digestive symptoms, but maybe have other issues like estrogen dominance or even skin issues like eczema? Like if somebody comes to you and they don't have digestive issues, but other things, are you still doing stool tests? A thousand percent. Yes. Because those are presentations of gut imbalances, whether it's presenting as an actual like tangible physical feeling, those are still manifestations of gut imbalances. Like eczema is external inflammation coming from internal. And how is that happening? It's from food you're eating. It's from your gut. It's from stress. Like it's just, I I would never not run a stool test on somebody that came to me with eczema or a skin issue because it's so directly correlated. And a lot of times what I do see is we run the stool test. Let's say I have people that don't have digestive issues and they're like, yeah, I'm having these hormone imbalances. Well, then we run it. We find that elevated beta glucuronidase. We find high levels of maybe even normal good bacteria, bad bacteria, whatever it is. When those are in high levels, those are also eating different nutrients that we're exposed to. So now we have zinc deficiencies, magnesium deficiencies, B vitamin imbalances, and that's all correlated to every single function in our body regulating inflammation. B vitamins will regulate the ability for our body to convert homocysteine, which is an inflammatory marker. So everything I'm like, Oh my God, I could get, I get like so passionate talking about it because it all comes back to the gut and really getting that, as you mentioned, terrain to a healthy place is the, it's just the core of everything. Yeah. So I know a a lot of people, we all have experience with this is that things, days change, you know, day to day life changes, our food changes, and so does our poop. So Mm -hmm. what does, what can our poop tell us about our digestion in in particular? So like, I know that there's a lot of different ways that our poop can present, but maybe you can run us through a few things of, okay, if you're seeing this, it means that you're not digesting, you know, fat well or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to Google the Bristol stool chart, or I think I have a poop guide on my, on my website. I can send you the link for that Mm -hmm. and just start to get familiar with what your poop should look like. Just like step one is looking at what should it look like? Because we're oftentimes only used to seeing our own poop. 
<laughs> we don't usually look at like our friends poop or I mean, if you have a kid, I look at poop every single day. I know. Like I, multiple times a day. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, nose deep yeah. in poop all the time. I smell so it every day, yeah. all the time. I'm like dumping. We're in, are you potty training? Or are you changing diapers? We're diapers. He's a year and a half, but we just, we just today got our potty training books. And oh he's like starting to like show a little bit of interest in the toilet. Yeah. So we're like, okay, cool. We're going to start the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because when you're talking about poop, I'm like, I literally, I'm always evaluating what his poop is saying. Like it's always so because, cool. you know, he goes into a little toilet and it's just better for them when they're, they're younger to poop on a small toilet as opposed to like hanging from a bigger toilet with a potty <laughs> seat thing. So, you know, I always have him sit on the small potty on the floor with his knees out and up. And then um, I dump it into the, you know, the potty, but the actual toilet. But I'm always like, huh, this one was really big and hard or this one was smaller or this one like came out really easily. And I always yeah. am thinking back to like what he ate and what he, you know, how he drank or whatever. But it's it's funny because it's like all day, every day. I'm just wrist poop. deep in poop. Yeah. <laughs> poop, poop, poop. I know. Yeah. It's like my personal life and my professional life. It's just all poop. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about poop. <laughs> I wake up, I'm like, yeah. So I think that's, I think what you mentioned though, too, like there's a lot of variation within poop because it changes depending on, I mean, everything. So I think it's really important just to kind of, like I said, look at the Bristol stool chart, get an idea of what it should look like on a day-to-day basis. But when there are things that are happening for extended period periods of time, like if you have loose poop, or I had a client that described it as tea, <laughs> like she would flush the toilet and it would just turn into like a tea color. Mm. That's something that is something we want to look into. So ideally, we want it to be formed. We want it to come out easy. We want it to be minimal cleanup. And when it's varying from that on a consistent basis, that's when we have to dive deeper. So when you do have looser poops, typically that can be an issue with enzymes. Maybe you're not breaking things down well, especially if you're seeing like chunks of food in your poop like pieces of carrot or uh, another one that people see a lot of is lettuce. I don't know why that one, maybe because it's easy to see. But if you see yeah. these like big chunks of food in kids, it's going to be a little different because their digestive system isn't mature yet. So you will see bigger chunks of food in a child's poop. But as an adult, we shouldn't really be seeing that anymore. Um, so that can be an indication of an enzyme need. If it's loose, that can be an irritation that can maybe be a sign of inflammation or you're eating a lot of things that your your stomach is sensitive to. Sometimes it can present, that can be parasites, dysbiosis. So, I mean, any on either end of it, it's like if it's constipation, dysbiosis, maybe a methane dominant bacteria that's slowing motility down, um, imbalance, maybe not enough magnesium. So there's so many just so many different nuances and things that you can learn about your body by looking at your poop. And like I said, I have a guide, my poop guide that goes into that very in depth. And then also references like if you were to get a stool test, what could this also tell you? I have a way for you to get free electrolytes. And let me be honest, you are going to love them. Minerals have quite literally changed my life. I take them daily now. A lot of people think that you don't need to take them during the winter because you're not sweating as much. But that's a myth. If you are running around, if you're working out, if you're eating a whole foods diet, and if you're dealing with stress, your body still needs electrolyte support. In fact, I'm still drinking them daily during the winter now. I tend to drink them mid-morning. I get to a point where I start to feel fatigue. And I actually start to feel like I want something, like I'm craving something, whether it's food or sweet, and I don't really feel hungry 
That's when I know I need my electrolytes. One of my favorite ways to replace minerals is with Element. I started supplementing with Element after workouts and it made a huge difference in my energy and the dizziness I used to experience throughout the day. They make grab and go electrolyte replacement packs with no sugar, gluten fillers, or artificial ingredients. You just tear open a pack, pour it into your water and stir. I have now been mixing up half a packet for my kids when they're sick, which has been often. They now say, I don't feel good. I want my Element. I also pretty much always have one in my purse because when we are out and about, it's been a long day, we're at a football game, I need to pour some Element in my water. Right now, everyone, including new and current customers, can get a free eight-pack of Element with every order. Element comes in boxes of 30. There is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free eight-pack, which has all the flavors of Element. When you do your order, I recommend doing the Insider Bundle, which gives you three boxes. Then you get one free. Then you get a free eight-pack on top of it. And make sure to check out the new winter flavors, chocolate mint, chocolate raspberry, and chocolate chai, which can be heated up for a warm drink. To get Element, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed and make sure to use the code wellfed for your free sample eight pack. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. All right, let's jump into questions from the community. Um, the first one, of course, is about poop. This is from Carrie. She says, how long can it take for your gut to react to a food? Could there be a delayed reaction? And what are some of the possible reactions besides poop issues? So the first, if it's an allergic reaction, that happens pretty immediately. If it's a food sensitivity, you can have up to three days of a delayed reaction because it's going down different immune response pathways. So that's what makes it so tricky oftentimes to do these elimination diets or to guess and to say like, okay, I'm just going to eliminate this and see how I feel um, because we have these delayed responses. So unless you're being super organized and you know exactly what you're looking for and you're being like very systematic with your elimination and reintroduction, it's very, very overwhelming and confusing. And oftentimes people will say, oh, but I had this one day and I felt fine. And then I had it again two days later and it caused a reaction. Well, we don't really know if it was that food or if it was something you had three days ago. So that's that's the answer to that part of the question. And I think there was another one that now I don't remember. What's there possible reactions besides poop issues? So if somebody like is ex- eating a food and you said it could they could experience something within three days, like what are other symptoms that you typically see? Oh uh, yeah, so you can I'll see things like brain fog, um, like just a drop in energy. Sometimes it can present as skin issues, like maybe there's redness or there's like a little bit of an eczema flare. Those are kind of the main things that I I typically see with when it's not presenting directly as bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea. You'll see more of like that mood shift, the brain fog, energy dips. Mm, Yeah. Amelia wants to know, she says, I have witnessed my husband have to poop like diarrhea 20 minutes after eating a food he doesn't like react well to like ice cream or pizza. He says he has been this way since he was a kid. Is this even possible? He he's obviously has now learned to avoid these foods most of the time. So yeah, so I think that's a good, really good question, because that kind of brings me to the difference between a food allergy, a food intolerance and a food sensitivity, because all three of those things Mm -hmm. are different. So a food allergy can create an immediate reaction depends, doesn't sound like this is a food allergy. It sounds like it's more of a food intolerance. And what that means is we don't have the digestive capacity. So that comes down to an enzyme issue. And that's when we'll see things like people that eat dairy and have that like lactose intolerant response. will just have diarrhea, get it all out, maybe have some gas and bloating and be done. It's not necessarily an 
anaphylactic kind of a response, like that big immune response when it's an allergy. And then the food sensitivity is that delayed reaction also going through an immune response pathway, but the food intolerance is not activating the immune system. Got it. Okay. So this one's from Annika. She says, when do, when should I enlist a practitioner's help versus just trying to rule out things uh, myself at home? How long to try different diets, eliminating certain things like dairy, gluten, et cetera, before deciding it's time to get help? So first and foremost, when, <laughs> when do you know you need like a practitioner's help? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm biased on this one. <laughs> and I would say as soon as possible, just because it's going to decrease the amount of time you are suffering, that you're overwhelmed, that you're struggling with this, and it'll just give you clarity and the insights that you need. So it's kind of, it's really how, I almost want to say like, how disruptive is this in your day-to-day -day life? But the other side of me is like, if you're noticing issues, just get it addressed sooner rather than later because it's only most likely going to get worse. So the, the faster you can get in front of it, just the healthier you're going to be. You're going to decrease inflammation. You're going to know more about your body. Like I'm such a fan of getting the information and just stepping into your health from a place of empowerment because we often let it go. And then, you know, I, I talk to people, they're like, I've been dealing with this for five years. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. five years. Why, why do we think that that's okay? And I say we again, because I've been there too. And like, why do we think it's okay to just put our health on the back burner and say like, I'll deal with that later. Mm -hmm. It's such a, I almost feel like it's just a way that we were raised or taught about things because it's like, you know, as long as you can get up and do the things you need to do and power through everything else can wait. And it's like, no, the sooner you get in front of this, the sooner, you know, your body, the sooner you show up for yourself, that's going to just go into every other area of your life. Yeah. What kind of dogs do you have? <laughs> I was like, oh no, I hope they can't hear dogs barking. Um, they're Maltese miniature pinchers. I was like, they're small dogs. I can hear the they small barks. They are tiny, yappy little doggies. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, that's cute. I have, I, I did have two big, big boxers. One of them just passed away, but oh. their barks are really loud and is just for a go forever because I like they just don't stop boxers they're pretty energetic so um I completely get it <laughs> yeah these guys will calm down I think I think my husband just came home yeah <laughs> so they're yeah. very excited yeah. <laughs> uh mo the majority of the past five years on this podcast that everybody will know I always am like oh there goes my dogs I'm sorry because <laughs> I just can't handle well I'm glad it could be me this time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one's from Paula. She says, how estrogen leaves the body and how wide does it actually get reabsorbed and how to maximize this process? So we talked about how estrogen gets reabsorbed. What do you do in those scenarios? If somebody has estrogen dominance and they're like, I want to get get it out. I want to eliminate my estrogen. Yeah. What are some tips that you have? Uh, rebalancing the microbiome. So looking at what is out of balance and then using antimicrobials, to really just clear out any pathogens, any opportunistic bacteria, any yeast, and then rebuilding and looking at, all right, how can we get the right foods into your system? How can we get the right prebiotics? And how can we get the right probiotics? So it's a very detailed <laughs> approach and a detailed system to look at things, not as, I mean, we typically are like, yeah, we'll just take a probiotic and it'll fix everything. But when we're dealing with anything, I mean, when we're dealing with anything, that's, imbalanced in the body or symptoms or estrogen dominance, we really want to get as clear as we can what's going on in your specific microbiome and how do we help. So antimicrobials and then repopulating with prebiotics, probiotics. Sometimes 
there's different things that can help like calcium deglucurate is another good one that can bring down that elevated beta glucuronidase. But again, if you're just going to take the cal- uh, calcium deglucurate, you're still missing that bigger like what is the terrain of your microbiome? Yeah. And just for people who maybe have never gotten their, like they've never actually gone and gotten help or gotten a stool test. When you say antimicrobials, you're taking certain um, supplements or nutrients and, and, you know, essentially nutrients that are going to help to, that are specifically targeted to the gut. Yes. um, That will help get rid of or rebalance the bacteria in your gut. Yeah. So things like oil of oregano, berberine, thyme, neem, wormwood, like all of these, there's all these really beautiful plants that are very targeted to clearing out parasites or bacteria or yeast or like using biofilm disruptors. So there's a lot of things that I'll focus on to say like, okay, what's going on? And then how can we use these more holistic tools to clear it out? Got it. Okay. So this is from Kelly. After having my two children, I struggled with bad constipation. Not something I ever experienced before. I did all the things in quotation, water, exercise, high fiber foods, nothing helped. My doctor said it was postpartum hormonal imbalances. So I had an IUD with hormones put in three years ago, literally had the IUD put in and the constipation stopped that day. Haven't experienced it since I'm having trouble with it now and I want to have it removed, but I'm terrified I'll be hit with constipation constipation again. What can I do? Hmm. <laughs> There's I mean, a lot there. So you, yeah, you go yeah, wherever you it's, want. <laughs> it's a it's a great question. And hormones, you know, guts, hormones we've talked about, very, very connected. And um progesterone is another one that can actually interact with motility. So if you think about it, sometimes when we get like when we're gearing up to get our period, we'll get a lot of gas and bloating or we'll get <laughs> I have a friend that calls it I don't know if I can curse, but she calls it the the period shit. <laughs> Where <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, you know, you just kind of clear thing. everything out. Yeah. <laughs> so our hormones definitely do impact motility. And that could be what happened in that case. But again, going back to the terrain, the integrity of your microbiome, dysbiosis that's underlying in there, we can do these little fixes that can help in the interim. But ultimately, the symptoms will come back if you haven't addressed the root cause or really looked at the health and well-being of the overall gut. So if you were a client of mine, I would obviously want to do testing and understand what your microbiome looks like before maybe taking out the IUD just to kind of see like, all right, where are you at? What is your body doing? Yeah. I think it's actually encouraging that like birth control like fixed it temporarily because that means that there is there is something that's like you know you have an imbalance. Yeah. And so that imbal when you rectify that imbalance, get to the root cause and fix that, um, you can you'll definitely be able to like have good poops again. I, I've confidence yeah. in that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I would agree. Yeah. Sarah, this is from Sarah. She says, I have a spastic descending colon from IBS that leads to thin pencil-like stool. The spasms also trap a lot of gas in my left side, which is super painful. Any tips on regulating the motion of the colon so this doesn't happen again? So when I think about motility, I think about magnesium. That's another, that's a really important nutrient in just having things move along um, and also spasms. You think about even like our muscles, magnesium is really, really potent at just regulating muscle function. So I think about that. And then I also think about motility from um, something called the migrating motor complex, which is just the ability of your food to process and clear things out like bacteria and ginger. Ginger is another one that can be really potent in helping motility. 
5-HTP is one, although I don't use that a lot. And I wouldn't suggest anyone being like, oh, I'm just going to go and try 5-HTP mm-hmm. um, because it, it does have a, um, it impacts serotonin. And yeah, there's just a lot of neurotransmitter considerations to, mm-hmm. to think about when you're doing something like that. Um, but those are the things I think about with just any type of like spastical. And then especially being diagnosed with IBS, that to me is another clear indicator that there's probably more going on there that would be really good to uncover because I, I see many clients with IBS and IBS seems to be just like, you have these digestive issues. They're not a disease. You don't have colitis. You don't have diverticulitis. We can't categorize it as anything. So you just have IBS. And it's like this catch-all diagnosis that doesn't really give us that much clarity in what's going on. It's just more of like, okay, you have this now just manage it. Hmm. And really, it's you have this issue that's caused by something, but we don't know what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's just IBS and you just, you know, <laughs> good yeah. luck. Yeah. Try the low FODMAP diet, maybe. Like that's right. that's usually the, the recommendations that a lot of GI doctors or even I've seen some primary care doctors give, which is, is fine. Like there is, there is, you know, some good stuff there. But again, it's not going to get to, well, what's really going on and how do you fix this for good? And with IBS, are you typically seeing um, imbalances in specific bacteria? Like I know it's highly correlated with like SIBO, but are you seeing, can you look at somebody's stool test and say, or even maybe somebody comes to you and says, I have X, Y, and Z symptom. Are you at the point where you can be like, I bet you this bacteria is, is overgrown and it might be this, or is it still all, it's always like a little bit of a grab bag. Yeah, it's, it's always like every day I'm just impressed and humbled by the microbiome. And I think it's such a it's such a new science as well. Like stool testing is still relatively new mm-hmm. and we're just learning about the microbiome. So I think it's it's really just it sometimes feels like we're scratching the surface and everybody is so unique in their presentations. And again, it's not always just about the microbiome, especially with IBS. There's so much anxiety and emotional and again that nervous system piece that can start triggering it so it becomes this like chicken or egg where it's like i get anxiety and then my gut acts up or does my gut act up and i get anxiety so a lot of times that can be tied in deeply to ibs and then you know we create these neural pathways these memories where we're like "Uh oh i feel this way here it comes and then we kind of tip ourselves into this full-blown gut reaction so Mm. again it's just like food poop nervous system. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then you have people like me who try to simplify it. I'm like, can you, can we just like figure this out so that there's like this, yeah. this bacteria equals this problem. And it's not, it just can't, it doesn't work that way. Well, okay. So we're not simple. Pe- I mean, <laughs> it's like, could you simplify a human? And it's like, yeah. oh gosh, no way. Nope. We are complex beings. <laughs> right. Um, okay. This is from Zoe. She says the challenge for me right now is post part, uh, post surgical pain, uh, medic, medication management of constipation. I'm taking stool softeners, Miralax, tea with Senna, magnesium. I had surgery on Friday to repair a fractured wrist and have been having a terrible time ever since. I'm trying to eat protein for healing, but also eating an apple every day, hoping the fiber helps. Have a bottle of magnesium citrate on standby, but would love to hear other suggestions. Yeah, well, I mean, 
when you, anytime you take pain meds, those are, they slow motility. So they are very correlated to constipation. So it sounds like this is just temporary. And if you can just continue to do the management, the things that you're doing to go to the bathroom, it'll be fine. It's not going to have long-term effects. Um, just again, cause it's, if it's wrist surgery, then it seems like you'll be on pain meds maybe for a couple days. And then once you're off of those medications, your bowel movements should return back to normal, but pain meds are historically constipating. Got it. Okay. So this is from Janet. It sounds like a lot of people are like dealing with constipation. She says how to support someone wanting to come off of years of using detox tea to have to poop every day. So if we have people in our lives <laughs> who are struggling with poop, what are those like main things we have to hit to not be con like if we're constipated, what yeah. do you like? What are your, what are your go-tos for like, let's get the poop moving. Yeah. Constipation is a, is a tricky one. Um, it's again, there's a huge emotional tie-in, but if we're looking at, all right, what can we just do right now? The, the basics, fiber, making sure you're getting good sources of both insoluble and soluble fiber along with water and electrolytes and minerals that can all help. So I, I like to do electrolyte powder. I like Ultima. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. There's another one, LMNT. It's a little bit saltier, but that's another good one. Uh, and then trace minerals can also help. So if you have mineral electrolyte imbalances that can slow motility, cause constipation. I also really like aloe, either aloe vera juice or an aloe extract if it's really gnarly constipation. Um, something like cape aloe is really good. And yeah, magnesium. Magnesium oxide is another one that can really clear things out. So that is one of the most poorly absorbed forms of magnesium, which in the case of constipation is is really great because you want something that's poorly absorbed because magnesium will pull water into your intestines and help you go to the bathroom. Okay, this one is from Lindsay. She says, how can I increase fat absorption in my digestion? Increase fat absorption. Well, I would make sure that you're breaking it down efficiently. So if you have adequate enzymes, specifically lipase, which is the enzyme that will help you break down fat, that will help you absorb it better. And then again, just making sure that the microbiome is balanced that you have a good amount of healthy bacteria to, I don't want to call it bad bacteria, but we have, we have good bacteria, bad bacteria. We have it all in there. It just has to be in the right balance. So making sure that there's no dysbiosis is also going to help your body break down and absorb fat more efficiently. Okay. The other side of the coin. So she, Alyssa <laughs> says with IBS, IBD, constipation, I can remedy, but diarrhea, what is your go-to fix when it just won't stop? She said, I recently learned ginger eases the stomach, but can exacerbate diarrhea. Yeah. Cause ginger is that motility activator. So we do have to be oh. careful with, with ginger and diarrhea. I'm a big fan. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the conventional world. I, I was a dietitian and saw this work really well. It was the brat diet, which I'm sure she's familiar. So bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. That's really helpful at just binding things up, uh, making sure you're drinking enough electrolytes because when we have diarrhea, we're pooping out a lot of our electrolytes. So that's really, really critical as well. Um, sometimes I will use something like an activated charcoal or mimosa pudica, which is like a spongy... Uh, it just like absorbs things. So that can be another good one. But really, again, if it's diarrhea, it's like, why is that? Why is that there in the first place? And I've seen that really linked to pathogens, different pathogens that we can have, like sometimes E. coli or cryptosporidia. I don't know if I said that right. Um, but that one can be another big one correlated with diarrhea. So pathogens, parasites, imbalanced bacteria. 
Okay, this is a super interesting question. It's from Chrissy. She says, my body odor has changed recently. My sweat and bowel movements smell changed back in May, and I have no diet, medication, body product changes. Could this be gut related? And this, I was reading this mm. question, I was like, yeah, why is that? Sometimes, I mean, in Chrissy's scenario, it seems to have changed long term, but sometimes like it, our poop is super smelly and other times it's not. And this goes back to my toddler where sometimes <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is awful. And then like other times it's not as bad. So does our poop smell actually mean anything? Well, our poop smell, if it's, if it's not like clearing out the room every single time. Like if it is that varied, I mean, it's very correlated to what we've eaten. If we've had more foods with sulfur, it's going to be a little bit stinkier. If we ate something that we didn't just, we didn't break it down as well. That could create a little bit more fermentation. Sometimes if it's our, our motility has temporarily slowed, like I know I'll notice that with my kid too. If he like usually he poops, he poops so much, but if he goes for a longer period of time without pooping, then what the next time he poops, it's, is so stinky. So motility can also impact that as well. And then also I think about like toxic burden and just what is your body? What are you asking your body to move out and break down and clear out? Because our livers are, most of us know our livers are big detoxifiers, but then it dumps it into the gut. So maybe there was exposure to something. Maybe you have more, you know, like, I don't know, maybe we're sitting in a room with new carpet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like there's all these little different nuances and things that our body has to interact with and, and process and clear out that can change what's going on. Maybe you had a stressful conversation with somebody and it just kind of like jolted your body a little bit. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Stress can change your poop smell. Okay. So this is from Katie, which is also another really good question. Why are beans the way they are? I love them, but no one, but no one loves me afterwards. Uh, so what's going yeah, on there? They are the musical fruit. Um, <laughs> so they actually have something on them called raffinose, which is a starch and it is very poorly digested by humans. So that is why it is <laughs> the musical fruit. It just, it just creates more gas. Yeah. And that's pretty much across the board. And the healthier, sometimes like farting is normal. Um, if it's that like really stinky room clearing farts, that can be a little bit, that's just something to pay attention to. But when you have a healthy diet, you are going to fart more. It's just more fiber and more things for your body to break down and process. It just creates a little bit more gas. It should never be like horribly stinky or painful. Hmm. Okay. She also says tips for distinguishing between pelvic floor related constipation and diet slash gut related. Are these two things different? Because that actually, that's a great question. Hmm. That is a really good question. And yeah, they are different. If you have any issues, like any imbalances in your pelvic floor, that can be very correlated to constipation. So I would say if you can, you know, get that, go to a a therapist that specializes in that and work on it, because that's a mechanical issue that can prevent, you know, that can impact us from having normal bowel movements. So that's something that I will sometimes dig into with my clients as well. It's like, all right, maybe we need to think like we're looking so heavily at the biological, physiological component, but there's also mechanical components in the way that our bodies work. So getting clear on what's going on with the pelvic floor and working with that, if there is something that's, you know, off there 
is really, really important for constipation. Wow, that's really important. So if you've had a baby, I think it's always, I mean, even if you haven't, you know, you could have pelvic floor issues as well. But if you've had a baby, you know, six weeks postpartum, you should be seeing a pelvic floor therapist because that's the best way to prevent these issues. Like just find the best in your area. They may be booked up, but you can get a good evaluation. You can get some exercises and you can reverse or prevent things from getting worse um, with, with pelvic floor dysfunction. So, okay. Last question. We made it through all of them. I am so excited. Uh, this is from Jody. She says, mid-morning, I often get nausea caused by reflux. What could be causing this? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I have eaten. It seems better on the weekends. Could this be affected by how much sleep I get? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sleep is like one of those foundational pieces that will reset and sh- change your entire microbiome. So if you are not getting enough sleep, also stress, if you're more stressed out, if you're running around, if you're doing all the things during the week and then it's the weekend and you're like, oh, I'm more relaxed. I'm sleeping better. Like those are the foundational pieces we'll never get away from <laughs> that are important. Sleep, movement, um, the you know healthy eating, like all, all of the things that we know intuitively and inherently are important. Those are the things that are super, super critical. Stress management. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for like answering. I think this is the most questions I've ever gotten to, which makes me so excited. I think everybody got theirs in and you know so much and dropped so many knowledge bombs. And I so appreciate you spending time with us in this community. Your website is fearlessfig.com. Everybody go follow her on Instagram. It's fearlessfig. Um, And I will link to the TED Talk in the show notes and then BiomeFX and the the, um, GI map, the stool test you mentioned. What are you doing now and where can people find anything? Like, is there anything else that I missed or what, what you, what are you working on coming up? Yeah, I know that. I mean, that was a pretty comprehensive overview. I am just working on launching a three month program. Like I mentioned with the stool testing, the organic acid and the food sensitivity. So that's something we're starting in January. So if changing your health is on your heart and you're ready to start in the new year, that's something I wanted to set people up with. And specifically women that have had babies, postpartum moms, Mm -hmm. where just because I went through this recently where my body freaked out and I was like, what is going on? And I went to the dermatologist and they're like, I don't know, (laughs) just how it is now. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. But I luckily have a massive toolbox of things that I can run on myself and do and realize that this is something that's super common. So that is launching in January, like I said, three month program where we go into all of this and get you the clarity and the tools and the personalized testing to see what is happening in your body. Is that a group program? It is. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we have also a somatic therapy breathing coach that's going to be part of it as well. Because like I said, that nervous system piece is so critical and we have to address that. So when I was thinking about like, how can I create something that is the most valuable that will really heal the gut? This is, this is amazing. This program is like everything I wish that I had when I was having my severe digestive issues. Wow. That's really cool. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll link to any information about that in the show notes. Cause I feel like everybody's very intimidated to work with practitioners one-on-one because the fees are high and it's just like overwhelming. But if you're like, Hey, this is a three month program. This is a group program. Here's what we're all doing. We're going to be doing these set tests. And it, I mean, I love how that's systematized yet individualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's, 
it's fun. And we have we have uh, live trainings and there's education. We have mm-hmm. office hours. And it's again, it's going to be people that are all going through the same experience. So it'll be a container. It'll be a space where we can talk about this kind of stuff. Like, again, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about poop and hopefully hopefully that's apparent. So it's, it's just a, a safer place because this can be a very overwhelming, personal and challenging space to navigate yeah. on your own. Well, thank you for what you do. Thanking, yeah. Thank you for talking about poop so openly and, and let, <laughs> having people or letting people let their guards down and um, get vulnerable with you about, you know, things that yes. are hard and things that, yes. that a lot of us are going through that we feel like I know a lot of women feel like they don't they don't know where to go. They don't know who who can who will understand. They they get told by doctors constantly that their issues aren't real or that they're made yeah. up or they just have to deal with it. So we appreciate you. Um, and thank you so much for being here and taking this time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun to just chat about all things gut health and yeah. our kids and our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So for more from Sarah, fearlessfig.com. Follow her on Instagram. It's at fearlessfig. You can follow me on Instagram. It's at coconuts and kettlebells. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for submitting your questions. We will talk to you next week.